Hebrews chapter 6 and uh, verses 11 and 12 and then verse 19. Verses 11 and 12 and verse 19 from the 6th chapter of Hebrews. I'm going to continue to talk about this comprehensive approach to receiving from God. A comprehensive approach to receiving from God. And kind of dig into tonight how it is we receive from God as a three-dimensional being. And so we'll explain that as we work our way through. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 11, it says, And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end, that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. In verse 19, he says, This hope we have, this expectation we have, as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil. Many reasons why we could look at and things we could talk about from these verses. One of the main reasons is because in these three verses we see so many different elements or aspects of this comprehensive approach to receiving from God. We see faith, we see diligence, we see endurance, we see hope, we see full assurance, uh, we see desire, we, we see uh, the, the hope that we have as an anchor for the soul, that your soul is the part of you that thinks and feels and chooses your mind, emotions, and will, and of course that's such a critical part <clears throat> in receiving from God. And then ultimately we see that the anchor of the soul the hope that we have, the expectation that we have that enables us to patiently endure is that which enters the presence behind the veil. I was meditating on some of these things today and, and when a ship drops anchor, rarely do you see where the anchor lands on the bottom of the, of the ocean, let's just say. But you see the chain and then you see where it kind of disappears beneath the surface. But the captain knows that the boat is anchored by the way it's steadied against the wind or even uh, waves that would try to move it. And so is the anchor that we have for our soul. It goes into a place not visible with the natural eye or the physical eye, but it is an anchor nonetheless. And this anchor for the soul is, is what ultimately anchors our thoughts because it's our thoughts that produce our emotions and it's our emotions that influence our choices. And if our thoughts are not anchored, meaning not anchored all over the place, James gave us this example of being in faith versus not being in faith, believing God versus doubting. And he said doubting was like wavering or was wavering and it was like being tossed by, you know, every wave of the sea that comes along. And if our thoughts are not anchored in the truth in God's word, then that means they're going to be all over the place. And if our thoughts are all over the place, our emotions are going to be all over the place because our thoughts are ultimately what determine our emotions. But we have this confident expectation, this joyful and confident expectation which is an anchor for our soul, and it's sure and it's steadfast, and it enters the presence behind the veil, meaning ultimately it's anchored in God Himself. Amen? Anchored in God Himself. 
Now, we've tried to depict this with um, this list of seven things, and it's inverted. In other words, think of, you know, God himself, Father God himself, as the anchor or the, the basis upon which all these other elements uh, revert back to, can be traced back to, and rest upon. And as it relates to you and me receiving from God, we've got to understand some things about his nature, his character, and his ability in order to understand how he thinks and what he desires and how he acts, his ways, things that he's done. And that, of course, translates into what God has spoken. He never says one thing and thinks another. We may do that, but God doesn't do that. How God thinks, how God acts, and what, God, what, he's, what he does, what he says, and how he thinks are always in perfect harmony and agreement. And so we see that we receive by faith, but also part of this comprehensive approach is the need for hope, and then the need for patience, or also known as endurance. And we've said that these are layered on top of one another. And so let me, let me kind of give you an example, and I want to, there's a target I'm trying to hit tonight, so I'm going to be brief here, maybe we'll come back around to this. I just want to keep putting this in front of you. I want you to begin to think in, in terms of, of, of each of these. Um, when, when you uh, uh, lay down to sleep tonight, I want you to meditate on God's nature, character, and ability, His thoughts, desires, and actions. Because the more we understand about His nature, about His, his character, about His ability, the better we're able to understand His thoughts, desires, and actions, which ultimately means the more confidence we're, we're ultimately going to have in His Word. We talked some about this last week, but you know, if, if you don't really know a person, then it's it's you're at a disadvantage when it comes to trusting them. When it comes to trusting them. And so that's why companies do background checks. That's why uh, people are ask for personal references. They're, they're wanting to hear it from somebody else that you're a trustworthy person. They want to hear it from somebody else that, that uh, you can be trusted with counting down the registers at night while they're at home with their families. And since they've just met you, they want to take your word for it, but they also want to hear from other people and so that they can know. And so a lot of people find themselves in a position where they're, they're trying to trust God and trying to trust what God has said, but they don't really know him. And they, and they, and they, and they haven't spent time fellowshipping with him. And I'm not trying to re-preach last week, but you know, we've got to break away from this mindset of trying to figure out how to do things without God, how to have God's highest and best without having him this was the i think in the parable of the two sons also known as the parable of the prodigal son one of the clear pictures a lot of takeaways from that parable that jesus gave us but the older brother and the younger brother both wanted their dad's help and they both wanted their dad's stuff but neither one of them wanted their dad they both wanted what he could do for them they both wanted what he could give to them but neither one of them really wanted fellowship with him or were interested in what he was looking for as as a father-son relationship with him and as it comes to this subject of receiving from God 
I think a lot of people are just, you know, kind of like the rich young ruler. Just tell me how to do it, and I'll go do it. Just tell me, A, a B, C, one, two, three. And, and we try to reduce God and fellowship with him down to some formula that, you know, we can whip a cheat sheet, you know, on an index card out of our wallet and make these three confessions and do these four things, and, and somehow all the issues in our life disappear. And that's not how any of this works. None of this works without God. None of this works without knowing Him. And one, and I think I've said this in different ways, but let me just say it as plainly as I know how to say it. Whatever one of these layers you may be struggling with, so let's say you're having a hard time with patience, okay? Having a hard time enduring on the Word of God until you actually hold in your possession the thing that God has given to you. Intuition tells us, well, we just need to work on our endurance, but I would disagree with that. If you're having issues with endurance, then you need to focus on hope because it's the confident expectation that supports and sustains endurance. Are you, are you following me? So we said last week that a lot of people want to try to jump in this just at the God's Word level. Because faith by hearing, hearing by the word of God. But just like Abraham and Sarah, but until they really understood the nature and the character and, and the ability and, and the thoughts and the desires uh, of, uh, and what God had already done for them and, and in them, until they understood all that, his word didn't carry much weight for them. Now, let me um, praise God. So we said there's a, ton, there's a tendency to get tunnel vision meaning we become so focused on one aspect, we lose uh, sight of the others. And so if we focus on one of these elements while ignoring the others, and, and so when we talk about receiving from God, faith is kind of the one that is the go-to. I mean, you receive from God by faith. But faith is, is part of a comprehensive approach to receiving from God. Here's another example of this. I remember many years ago when you was reading in the book of Acts, where the, the beggar asked uh, uh, Peter and John for uh, some money, and it says that he was expecting to receive something from them. And so it's like, okay, man, there it is. You know, he's, he's got to have expectation. So you, you, know, you, you, you start preaching on expectancy, expectation. Hope is confident, joyful expectation. Is that wrong is, to, to preach on? No, we, we absolutely need to get our hopes up. We need to be expecting but it's tunnel vision to think that all we need is expectation expectation is not only one element of a comprehensive approach it has a certain place a certain role that it um it feels or covers if you will um in all of these things now if we were going to title this tonight and ultimately i do title i usually title at the end um, I would title this, Not As the World Receives. Jesus said that he gave to us, but he did not give to us as the world gives. I give to you, but not as the world gives. See, we're trying to receive what Jesus gives to us, not as the world gives, but we're trying to receive it as the world receives. Are you hearing me? So if it's not as the world gives, then we can't, we can't receive as the world receives. 
There's a way the world receives, and there's a way that the, the children of God receive. And when we try to receive from Jesus, who's giving to us, not as the world gives, but we try to receive as the world receives, it's creating a critical disconnect. Okay? Now, we began to ask this question last week and took a little bit of a side journey. Why is a comprehensive approach necessary? And shouldn't receiving from God be simple and straightforward? Well, I'm not trying to say it isn't simple and straightforward, but it's different. Receiving from God is not, is not exactly like receiving from another person. And just stay with me, and, and, and I'm not saying you are, but, but hear the bigger picture of this before you start trying to micro-organize or, or understand it, all right? Because what we see is that we must understand receiving from God in light of our three-dimensional existence. In light of our three-dimensional existence. Remember, you are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a physical body. You are a spirit, you have a soul, you live in a physical body. 2 Corinthians 4.18 says this, While we do not look at things at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen, they're eternal. So we have two broad categories. We have physical, natural things that are visible and also temporary. Then we have this other category that includes spiritual things. And spiritual things are invisible to the physical eye, to the natural eye, and they're eternal. And we know that everything that's visible, physical, natural, and temporal came forth from things that are spiritual, eternal, and not visible to the physical eye. Are you with me? That's a really important point. And I know we've talked about that over, over the years often. But we've got to be able to distinguish the difference. Remember, Jesus said it this way to Nicodemus, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the spirit is spirit. We're talking about two different categories of things here. Okay? So, again, in the interest of thoroughness, some physical things, like air, for example, cannot be seen, but can still be discerned with other physical senses. You may not can see it, but you can feel it. You may not can taste it, but you can hear it. So when we're talking about this category of natural, physical things, and we're saying visible, you know, a more thorough uh, explanation would be physical things are, are things that appeal to the physical senses. Things that can be discerned or, or, or understood or sensed, if you will, with one or more of your five physical senses. So spiritual things, again, are eternal and are not visible to the physical eye. Physical things are temporary and are, for the most part, visible. So when we're talking about receiving from God, we're talking about receiving from this category of spiritual things that will ultimately make a difference in your physical existence or reality but it it has to begin with the spiritual foundation first if you will 
All right, so we'll talk more about that again as we work our way through this. Here's, here's another way to say it. Receiving from God involves moving things from the spirit realm into the natural realm. From God to you. From God to you. Receiving from God. We're talking about receiving something from God and, and, and there an exchange taking place to where, you know, God has it and it's, it, it's, it's conveyed over to, transferred over to you. And so remember now, God is a spirit and you also are a spirit. Spiritual things are easily conveyed between spirit beings. God is a spirit, you are a spirit. It's very easy for God to take something that's spirit, because he's spirit, and convey it to you in your spirit. That's not hard at all. In the same way, it's, it's not hard for physical beings to take something that's physical and transfer it over to someone else's physical existence, to, to take something that's physical and give it to somebody else and for that person to receive it, right? But we're talking about receiving from God. We're talking about something that begins as something spiritual that is conveyed from him to you on a spirit level that then is translated into something tangible or physical. So it's very easy, for example, for a $20 bill to be passed between two people. Now, before we look at, and I think this is the, the right way to do this, before we look at receiving from God in light of our three-dimensional existence, let's look at what simple one-dimensional receiving looks like. And, and I, listen now, I know it's been a, a busy day for a lot of us. Let's, let's really let the Holy Spirit help us bring our hearts to attention here, okay? So we're, what I'm here to ultimately help us understand better is how we receive from God as a three-dimensional being, a spirit who has a soul who lives in a body. But before we do that, let's let's look at what I'm calling a simple or basic one-dimensional exchange or one-dimensional receiving looks like. And the reason this is so important is because most people try to understand receiving from God based upon a one-dimensional approach instead of the required three-dimensional reality. Now, this is a problem that we try to expose and correct and point out to around here early and often. And that's, that's you know, trying to understand life on three dimensions with a one-dimensional perspective. That was back to Nicodemus, what Jesus told him. He says, you must be born again. And Nicodemus, who's highly, highly intelligent, highly educated man, He looks at Jesus confused and he says, how can a man when he's old go back into his mother's womb and be born a second time? Why was this so confusing to Nicodemus? It's because he was trying to understand it with one dimensional thinking. He was trying to understand it with a flesh first, flesh only uh, way of looking at things and understanding things. And Jesus looked at him and he said, what's born of the flesh is flesh, but what's born of the spirit is spirit. Jesus was explaining a three-dimensional truth to a man who was trying to understand it with one-dimensional thinking. And we will never understand receiving from God. We will never understand why a comprehensive approach to receiving from God is necessary if we only think in terms of receiving from God from a one-dimensional perspective. So in a one-dimensional approach, a flesh-first, flesh-only approach, someone physical gives something physical to another physical being. Now, 
listen, this may be a no-brainer, but let's make sure we get this, all right, because this is an important. We're understanding one thing so we can better understand another, okay? Because the thing exchanged is physical, because the thing exchanged is physical, it's also visible. In other words, you can see it. Why is that important? It's because in this one-dimensional means of exchange, visual confirmation is proof of the completed exchange. All right? Visual confirmation is proof of the completed exchange. So here's an example back to the $20 bill. In a one-dimensional approach, you ask for the $20, and you either get it or you don't. You either receive the 20 spot or you don't receive the 20 spot. You, the person you ask either says yes and hands it to you, or they say no and they do not hand it to you. So how do you know you received in this one-dimensional approach? You have the $20 bill in your hand. It, it, it passed from them to you, and now you've got it in your hand, and here's the evidence that I received. So this simple understanding and one-dimensional approach to receiving will not work when receiving from God. Asking God for healing, listen to me now, asking God for healing and then using how you feel to determine whether you believe you received or not is an example of a one-dimensional approach to receiving from God. See, in a a one-dimensional exchange, you ask. If you receive, you know because you've got it right there and you can point to it. Here's the 20. I didn't have the 20, now I got the 20. My bank account was at zero, now it's at 20. That's one-dimensional. And because this is how so many people understand what it is and what it means to receive, we carry that one-dimensional thinking, that one-dimensional approach to receiving over into receiving from God. And so we ask God, we get other people to pray for us, we come to the altar, we make our requests known, we, we release our faith, we do all these things, right? And then we pull out our wallet and look at it and there's no $20 bill in there. Or we still have the same symptom that we had before hands were laid upon us and and the prayer of faith was prayed over us. And because we're locked into this simple one-dimensional approach to receiving, we say, well, it didn't work. I guess I'll try again some other time. I guess I'll ask later. I guess, and you know, leave dejected, leave frustrated, leave believing that we didn't receive. Why? Because this one-dimensional approach, asking, I'm going to say it again, asking God for healing and then using how you feel to determine whether you believe you received or not is an example of a one-dimensional approach to receiving from God. So listen now, it's one thing for spiritual things to be received by your spirit. It's another thing altogether for those spiritual things to be manifest in your physical life reality. Go back to the day you were born again. Every devil in hell was opposed to you getting saved that day. But when you decided you were going to call upon the name of the Lord, there was not a thing in the world they could do to keep you from receiving this gift of salvation that Jesus paid such a high price for you to have. Am I right about this? When you were baptized in the Holy Spirit with initial evidence of speaking in tongues, again, the devil fought tooth and toenail to try to keep you from ever receiving from God this in 
indwelling and this overflowing of God's Holy Spirit in your life. But when you decided you were going to act on faith and receive and activate the gift of unknown tongues in your life by faith, they could not stop you. But what did they do maybe minutes, maybe hours, maybe the next day? What did the devil try to do? He tried to tell you nothing happened. He tried to tell you it didn't work. He tried to tell you that was just emotion. He tried to tell you you were just, you were just babbling and you sounded like an idiot and, and, and those people down at the church think you're a phony. That's what he does, right? That's how he operates. Especially, you know, get saved and then, you know, however long it takes before you, you know, make a mistake and do something you shouldn't do. Boy, then the devil jumps on that. See, you weren't saved. If you were saved, you wouldn't do that. If you were saved, you wouldn't want to do that. He's trying to undermine. He's trying to get you to question. But see, here's the reality of it. When, when Jesus has made it very easy for a man or woman to get saved, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Made it very easy. Why is that? It's because when you receive salvation, it's a spiritual uh, gift that comes from God who is a spirit to your spirit. So receiving salvation, very simple, very easy. Expressing, experiencing, and enjoying the inward realities of a new birth, that's a different story. Because now we're talking about taking the treasure that's in your earthen vessel and manifesting it in your outward life reality. We're talking about the fountains, the rivers of living water that you have now been connected with via your spiritual union with God, via your newly born again spirit becoming one spirit with God. Okay? As, as, as amazing, as, and I'm not trying to trivialize it. Listen to me. I'm not trying to trivialize it. It was, it was the most expensive gift that will ever be purchased, your salvation. What it cost to make it easy. But that's easy. To receive it from God who is a spirit into your spirit, because spiritual things are conveyed between two spirit beings very easily. So are you seeing now why a comprehensive approach is necessary? It's, it's not the same as, 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 as one person handing another person a $20 bill. So now you've got the $20 to go spend. Let me, a lot of these verses you're going to be familiar with, but amen, it's good to hear them. Let's, in light of what we've said up to this point, let's go through some of these. 1 Peter 2.24 Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we having died to sins might live for righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. See, were healed. Not will be healed. Not can be healed. Not one day shall be healed. By his stripes were healed. Healing from God's spirit to your spirit, I'm talking about, I'm, listen, I'm talking about healing for your physical body. For your physical body. Do you realize in, in order for medicine, good medicine, I believe God-given medicine, penicillin, in, in order for penicillin to work in your body, it has to go in your body. Amen? 
the Lord showed me this. Stay with me real quick. I, I, maybe we'll elaborate on this much more in the future, but let me just say it right now, okay? Healing is at work in your physical body right now. God created your physical body to heal and repair itself, to fight off sickness and disease. Healing is at work in your physical body right now. Okay, we know that. Let me tell you what else we know. We know that the way you think and how your thoughts affect your emotions also can cause you to experience physical health and a strong immune system, or you can have thoughts that produce stress and anxiety that also can debilitate, break down your immune system. We know this. All that, listen, you don't have to believe in God, Jesus, or the Bible. I'm telling you, this is all proven in laboratories. It's called psychosomatic. Your soul in the Greek is suche. Your body in the Greek is soma, a suchosoma, psychosomatic. It's talking about the mind-body connection. It's talking about how your, the, the health and well-being of your soul and how it affects your physical health and well-being. Why am I quiet? My friend, if you think, if you, and, and it's true, but if you think you've got healing in your physical body right now, you have no idea the healing you have in your born-again spirit right now. You got healing in your born-again spirit right now that'll raise a dead man back to life, restore his rotten flesh, and heal him of whatever that killed him. In your born-again spirit right now. Let's see, we get, oh, Pastor, you went too far. No, let's see, watch this now. See, again, it's in your physical body. Undeniable, it's in your physical body. Your physical body right now is fighting off germs. All this, right? And we know that, we know that the condition of our soul is, I wish above all things, brother, that you be in health and prosper, even as your soul prospers. We know that the condition of our soul is one of the greatest factors, actually, in our physical health and well-being proven laughter doeth good like a medicine the bible taught us that long before we ever understood that 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 laughing even fake laughter releases healing endorphins into your physical body so if the condition of your thinking and your mind and your emotions can positively affect the healing and health mechanisms in your physical body. Do you, do you see how the healing that resides in your spirit also is released and activated into your life reality through your thinking? Changes in our behavior are only temporary as long as the underlying thinking remains the same. See, as long as, long as um, we think we're one thing trying to live like something else. Classic example of this, as long as you think like an addict trying to live like a free man, it's only a matter of time until your behavior lines up with the way you think. 
The same is true with our health and healing. As long as we think like someone who is sick and is subject to and at the mercy of whatever virus, whatever sickness, whatever germ comes along, Chew on that. Chew on that. You know, you're standing up, not to you, but you know, you stand in a pulpit and you say, look, you know, you got healing in you and if it's ever going to go from your spirit to your life reality, it's got to pass through your soul and, and, your, and your, 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 uh, your soul is like the, 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 the valve that either lets what's in your spirit flow into your, into your life reality or it shuts it off and keeps it from flowing into life reality. All that sounds so, so odd and bizarre and foreign to, to a lot of people, and yet we already know that the soul acts like a valve where our health is concerned when we're just talking about the suche and the soma. Are we to really believe that it has no bearing or effect on the healing that's in the, in the spirit? I'm telling you that it does. It absolutely, positively does. The same is true with... see. <laughs> Watch this now. It's easier to talk about healing, but the Bible says you have been given all things. Let's, let's look at it. Ephesians 1 and 3. Second, I'm sorry, 2 Peter 1, 3. His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue. you got washers and dryers in you. Where are your clothes? I need a really big amen from you, Amy Isbell. Amen. She got blessed with one today. Amen. You've got a general store. The Lord's been working in Amy's life so, so much here lately. She just got where she sends a text to me and Pam. She says, general store's open again. Amen. Amen. God bless Amy, right? I heard Brother Bill Winston say it this way. He said, every tire you'll ever need for your car is inside of you right now. Everything you'll ever need in life. Already yours, already given. How about this one, Ephesians 1, 3. Blessed bless be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed, not will bless, has blessed us with some, most, no, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, in Christ. One of my favorites here, John eight thirty six. Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Free indeed means free in your performed action. Jesus knows you can never consistently live in a way that contradicts who you really are. So in order for you to live as a man or woman free from sin, he had to make you free from sin. He made you free from sin so that you might live free from sin. If the Son makes you free, your born-again spirit, you shall be free soul in your performed action, your outward life reality. Spirit, soul, and body. If he makes you free, you shall be free in your performed action. Indeed. Man, who remembers this one? Matthew eleven twenty eight and 29. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. He says, come and I'll give. Learn and you'll find. This is what Jesus, it's a pattern, right? Because rest, true rest in life is spiritual first. So God, who is at rest, yet always working gives you rest his spirit to your spirit jesus says come and i'll give you rest you realize how many people have been given rest by god that have not experienced rest in their life reality in decades restless can't get settled you realize how many restless people have sat in these purple chairs 
over the last 20 some odd years. Came here looking, left here looking. Trying to find what they've already been given. Trying to receive what they've already been given. They won't sit still long enough for somebody to teach them, ultimately Jesus, to teach them how to walk in what he's already given them. So we talk about simple and straightforward. I'm not trying to make this overly complicated, but why do we need a comprehensive approach? It's because when he gives you rest, it comes from his spirit to your spirit. But then ultimately walking that out and experiencing that in your life reality, this is is where knowing who he is, knowing how he works, knowing how he thinks, so that you can have confidence in his word. That, That faith... On God, rooted and based upon God's Word, which is based upon how He thinks and what He desires and what He's done based upon His character, nature, and ability. Because you believe you've already received, you now have joyful, confident expectation which sustains and supports the endurance necessary to actually hold in your possession what He gave you maybe 50 years ago. He put in you a long time ago. This is one of my favorites. I got a lot of favorites. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12. See, you've got to understand a comprehensive approach to receiving God in light of the Scriptures, in light of your three-dimensional existence. Now we have received. If you read it tomorrow, it'll say now. If you read it three years in the future, it'll say now. We have received, not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. Consider what this verse is saying. Things that have been done for you, things that you've become, things that you've been given that you don't know anything about yet. Now, keep this verse in mind. Let's go back to Mark eleven twenty four 24 for some greater clarity. Mark eleven twenty four, what do you say? Jesus speaking, therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Other translations help us with the nuances of the verb tenses and how Jesus was actually saying this to us. So from the English Standard Version, therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. From God's Word translation, that's why I tell you to have faith that you have already received whatever you pray for, and it will be yours. Think about it for a moment. Why is it necessary to believe you have received? Shouldn't it be obvious if you've received? Are you following what I'm saying? He he says, believe you've received, and it'll be yours. I'm not going to go back through all the verses, but remember, faith's results are immediate, but not immediately visible. This this circles us back around to the visual confirmation. The Bible says, why does a man hope for what what he already holds in his hands? Why does a man hope for what he already possesses? See, in this simple one-dimensional approach to to receiving from God or from another person, this one-dimensional approach, it, it doesn't call for hope. It doesn't call for a confident expectation. Because again, you ask, you either receive it or you don't. If you receive it, then you don't, you don't have to have uh, expectation.
because you're holding it in your hand. You've got the visual confirmation in your hand. But Jesus is clearly talking about something here that does not involve an immediate visual confirmation. Are you seeing this? It's not an immediate visual confirmation. So the thinking goes back to the visual confirmation connected with a one-dimensional approach. It's a one-dimensional approach to receiving. The, and in a one-dimensional approach to receiving, there's no way around, I'll believe it when I see it. Right? That's what, that's, now listen, sometimes people come out, out and say that. Other times, you listen closely and you'll hear it. I'll believe it when I see it. I believe it when I see it. Stand with me, praise God. So let me, let me give you this as you stand, okay? Different ways to define faith. Here's one that will help us. Faith is full persuasion that a thing is done despite sense realm evidence that says it's not. See, with God you receive His Spirit to yours. You have to believe you've already received it before there's visual confirmation that you have. So faith is full persuasion that a, that a thing is done despite sense realm evidence that says it's not. Hope is joyful expectation based upon that full persuasion. One last mention of the $20 bill. If you ask me for $20 and I hand you a $20 bill, there's no need to believe you received because the money is in your hand. The money then is the substance and the evidence that you have what you asked for. In a three-dimensional approach to receiving from God, faith is the basis for your expectation and the evidence you have received what you don't yet see. Amen. Amen. And that faith's based on God's Word, which is based on how God thinks and what God desires and what He's done, which is based upon His nature, character, and ability, which is, which is based upon Him. Amen. You get anything out of this? Father, thank you tonight for helping us understand how to receive, Father, as a three-dimensional being. Father, help us break free from this mindset of receiving from you as the world receives from itself or as Jesus, you said that you give to us not as the world gives, which I believe means we have to receive from you not as the world receives. It's different. It's a different way. I'm not, Father, I'm, I'm not trying to leave your people with an impression that it's hard or difficult or impossible or who can, who can figure all this out. No, no. It's, it's, it, Father, just help us realize it's different. It's different. And it, and it negates our faith. It cancels out our faith 
when we insist on visual confirmation before believing we've received. Father, that's so important. It's so important. Father, I just, uh, I just bless these men and women tonight. Lord, I, I thank you for this Wednesday night bunch, Lord. I, I, I stand here Wednesday night after Wednesday night after Wednesday night, Father, and I just, I just almost hear your Holy Spirit. It's, it's a still, small voice, but, man, it's, it, it's just so strong and, 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 and clear. Thank you, Holy Spirit. So strong and clear in me that these folks have chosen the best part, and it'll never be taken from them. Father, we may not fully understand it or realize it on this side of heaven, but Lord, I, I think there's going to come a day when we clearly see the value and the benefit of investing this hour, hour and a half uh, in you and in your things on a Wednesday evening. Again, I bless these folks, Lord, for their diligence and for their faithfulness, their hunger and desire to fellowship with you, fellowship with your people, and receive with meekness, Lord, your engrafted word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for being here. Thank you for um, your faithfulness. Have a great rest of your week, um, and we'll see you Sunday, if not before. Praise God.